Welcome back to the Sign of Good Health podcast. Today we've got a special Sign of True Love podcast. I have my wife, Tori Sina, with me. So today we're going to talk about, um, like, we're going to talk about what makes a relationship strong, like how it can kind of boost other aspects of your life, and just kind of using our story as an example. So Tori, <laughs> uh, you want to start off with talking about how we met? Sure. So how we met, um, so I was, I had just moved to the cities. I had been there for about three days. Um, I was living with a, a woman named Sue and she had a daughter and her daughter had told me about this uh, dating website that might be a good place to start uh, meeting people. And even if you weren't going to meet somebody, it was a, you know, for long-term relationship, it was a good place to, to kind of meet some people, um, get acquainted with the city and whatnot, so I thought I would give it a try. So the night that she told me about it, I downloaded the OkCupid app, and I messaged Alex, and he was actually the first person I messaged, um, but as soon as I messaged him, I almost like instantly regretted it because I thought he was way too cute, and I made too big of a leap, and it just wasn't going to happen. So. I started messaging other people and um, I got a couple hits back and then I had actually um, had a date with another guy and then Alex messaged back and I remember calling my mom because he was the one that I was really very much interested in and I reached out to my mom and was like, mom, he's gorgeous, he wrote back, why did he do that, like what am I supposed to do, like I wasn't planning on this. and. And she was like, well, just be yourself. And I'm like, mom, I've been single for I don't know how long. Like, there's no way. And she's like, just be yourself. And it's like, okay, mom. So I was kind of left to fend for myself. So um, I messaged him and said that we, I had suggested maybe ice cream and somewhere that I thought was the middle of where. Between the two of us. Between the two of us, um, distance wise. Well, it turns out it was way closer to me than it was to him. Um, like I said, I was new to the cities and hadn't been there very long. Um, and we decided to meet for ice cream. And then I found out he was a personal trainer and I was like, oh no, he's going to see me stuff my face with ice cream. Like, I, I thought it had been like over before it even began. So, so for our first date, um, I ended up getting there late uh, because the Cold Stone had just switched locations. Um, it was across the interstate and I had no idea where I was going so I just plugged it into my Google Maps and I was going to the wrong place. So I eventually found it, but I was like 15 to 20 minutes late like I said. And then when I walked in I saw him and ooh, he's cute. And I gave him a hug and I was like, oh no, I don't know if I should give him a hug. But I'm giving him a hug anyway. Very long hug. It was a very long <laughs> hug. It was, it was longer than probably what was socially acceptable but I was like he's a good hugger he smells good we're gonna just embrace this and then I went to order my ice cream and I got gummy bears in mine um, and the reason that's significant is just because my first journal entry after I met Alex was we'll get to that okay there's more there's more but so. we'll get that um, so when you tried to pay for the ice cream, what happened? Yeah, so when I tried to pay for the ice cream, my card was declined, and I knew exactly why. So I was buying um, some Christmas presents, because this was the week before Christmas, at Shields, and I kept swiping my debit card at Shields, because it wasn't reading it, and 
I had asked the cashier if it was reading it and he said it was um, or it wasn't and then I asked if you know these charges like were going through he said no they're not reading it and then it finally read it well when I looked at my bank account you know soon after this decline then I saw that they had gone through so anyway she got charged like eight times for the same thing for the same thing so I went out to the car and tried to grab some of my extra money that I keep in my vehicle for emergencies and whatnot but in the meantime I paid for her ice cream because I am a gentleman yes and then I went back in after I scrounged up my change from um, my you know cigarette holder because my sisters had helped me move and they found my cash dash in my car so I had change and then I went in and tried to pay for it and I dropped my change all over the floor my change, my nickels, my dignity, it was all over the floor. And then I'm like, this is not going well. So then Alex had already paid for my ice cream, which made me feel more like an idiot. And then- I helped her pick up the change. He helped me pick again, up- because I am a gentleman. Right. And then I was like, I'm gonna have to dazzle him with conversation because that's all I have left to offer for this date. So then we sat down and we ended up talking for like three hours. It, w it was a good time. I was able to redeem myself. Um, and then when- The store closed. When the store closed, we went out to the car and he walked me to my car. I drove you to your car. You drove me to my car. And then but we kept talking in my car because we, neither one of us wanted it to end, so we just kept talking and then... And then do you want to finish the rest of the story? Keep going. Okay, alright. So then he drove me to my car and where I was parked, um, so it was kind of in this strip mall that kind of wrapped around. Yeah, so she had parked like kind of behind the store, but so I just pulled up next to her car and we were just talking for a while and I was trying to look for an excuse to kiss her but then she noticed in one of the apartment buildings adjacent to the parking lot, there is this guy standing in the window, like staring down at us. <laughs> like and he was, so the window and then the curtains, and he was in front of his curtains, <laughs> like pressed up against the It was very intimidating, but he was looking at us because we were the only ones there. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if he thought we were causing trouble or whatnot. And then we saw some people by the dumpsters and I just had my, you know, face plastered to the glass because I was like, oh my gosh, we gotta, we gotta get out of here. I gotta get to my car. I don't know how to do that. It's right next to me, but I don't know how to do that. I was just freaking out. And all the, all the while, Alex is trying to kiss me. And it's kind of hard for someone to kiss you when your face is plastered against the glass. So he tried to get me to relax. So then he laid me down in his lap. And then um, I looked up at him. And what exactly did I say, honey? She said, you're just so pretty. I'm looking up at your nose hairs and all I can think is you're just so pretty. And that was the nail in the coffin for the date. So I was like, I'm gonna just go because I'm like, I can't, I can't, I can't come back from that. And then I started to leave and then he pulled me in and then he kissed me and I'm like, huzzah! Like I was so excited, um, but I had been rehearsing lines in my bedroom before the date because I knew he was incredibly good looking um, and I didn't want to fumble and then of course as the date went on like the plan just completely botched it didn't work well at all needless to say I did not have nose hairs written into my cue cards when I was practicing lines so it's something we still joke about to this day and my first you know 
entry when I was doing journaling and whatnot that night it was called nose hairs and gummy bears um, which has a lot of significance to us so that's how we had our first date and yeah. our first interactions and so how, how would you say our relationship has grown over time That, that's a good question, Alex. I think the way that I've seen our relationship develop over time is, I, I think at first when you, you know, when you first meet somebody and there's like the physical attraction and it's just all about that exciting love, like, you know, everything's so exciting, so new, so, you know, you kind of want to experience it all at once. And then as you, you know, go on, you, you kind of get out of that honeymoon stage. And I, I remember when we kind of crossed out of that honeymoon stage, because there were things that I, I could just kind of feel internally I was letting my guard down about some things, um, that I could be my, you know, true self with you and, and let you know some of my, you know, more inner demons, things that I was struggling with. Um, like for a good portion of my life, I've suffered with the anxiety depression disorder. And I know this was something that I, you know, I hid from Alex, you know, pretty early on in our relationship, just because I didn't know what he would think. I didn't know if it would be too much, you, you know, things like that. Um, and then Alex was telling me how he was diagnosed with Asperger's and I kind of figured out early on that we had to really you know communicate we really had to work together to to kind of figure out how we were going to balance out these you know either mental health issues or you know you know learning disabilities or, or whatever that we needed to kind of figure out so um, I, I think knowing what we were getting into at the beginning um, I think that really helped us to kind of grow and develop and really start doing you know research and stuff early on about how we could communicate with each other and, and be a good partner for each other. And I, I think over the years have developed too, I've seen us, you know, you know, develop more from like just individual people to really working as a team. I, I think, you know, in almost all aspects of our life, we're approaching things together. You know, we talk it through and, and figure stuff out. So as our relationship has developed, I, I just really see us working as a team. Um, and developing that trust. That trust is there and it's so important in a relationship um, because if you, if you don't have the trust it you know it, it crumbles. So I, I've seen that trust develop and you know I would say now we're in probably the strongest place we've ever been. I, I think we've gone from maybe being at least for me being afraid to disclose some of my inner demons to actually you know, being kind of excited to either talk about them or almost feeling the need to talk about them because Alex can help me, you know, maybe identify how I'm feeling. And I know that's something that, you know, Alex sometimes struggles with too, is that he doesn't sometimes know what he's feeling. You know, he might say, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm feeling, you know, this way, but not really able to kind of identify a feeling with that. Or the way I put it too is like I have a sensation, but I don't know how to put words to it. So that can be tricky sometimes. 
and I'm not sure if that's a me thing or an autism thing or what. Uh, when I was talking with uh, your your mom <laughs> about uh, emotions and stuff, like there's she talks about this wheel of emotions and like there's the more basic ones and the more complicated ones and it's like it, it takes a while to learn to recognize all those. Uh, so when at one point you were taking some communications classes and you said you were learning a lot, you want to talk about that? Yeah. So one of the reasons I got into learning about communication was um, a big reason was learning about Alex's um, Asperger's and you know Alex was the the second boyfriend I've had in my you know in my life and will ever have <laughs> um, but it's just you know with my relationship with my first boyfriend the, the communication just wasn't there there were times where you know we weren't able to have those conversations that went on for hours and, and things like that and when we were together, it was just kind of more awkward and not comfortable. So I really needed to kind of take a step back and, and think about, well, you know, what am I contributing to the communication in our relationship? So I decided to take some communication classes, um, interpersonal communication and, and things like that. And it really taught me um, that I wasn't very good at, at dealing with conflict. Um, so I'm somebody who I don't like a lot of conflict. Um, if there's conflict, I usually shy away from it. It's not my thing. I'm not comfortable around it. Um, you know, in high school, even doing like debate, that was incredibly uncomfortable for me. Um, I, 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 it's just not my cup of tea. I, I don't like it. So when, you know, in a relationship, you have to be you know, open to the idea of having conflict with your partner. It's going to happen. And we had learned in our classes that um, if you're not arguing in your relationship or you're not having some conflict, then one of you is settling. E either the person's not expressing their needs or, you know, their, their needs aren't being met or something like that. And that really was eye-opening for me because I had always thought, well, if you didn't fight in a relationship, that was a good thing. And that's not necessarily true. So... It really opened my eyes and it made me kind of analyze myself like, okay, taking Alex out of the picture, how do I deal with conflict when I'm, you know, upset or hurt or scared or nervous or confused? Like, how do I deal with conflict? And um, how, how do I deal with my feelings in general? Um, and it just was very eye-opening for me because it realized, you know, I realized that I didn't have the best coping skills. Um, I you know, approached when I was in a stressful situation more to venting to people. And, you know, me venting my issues onto them was how I was able to kind of talk it through and help myself. But in our communication class, we learned that venting um, is, is two ways, and it's not really beneficial for each party. So for the person who is doing the venting, you are the one who's like rehashing the issue. Um, and bringing up stirred emotions and things like that. And for the person who's receiving the venting, you're kind of getting the dumped on feeling. And I noticed I did this a lot in our relationship early on, and it would affect Alex. I, I could tell, like, after sometimes we talked, like, I vented, and I didn't necessarily feel better because I feel like, again, I had rehashed it, and I could tell it had an effect on Alex. So 
I really had to do some, you know, soul searching and figure out how I can deal with conflict. And um, one of the things that I really love about Alex is he is so eager to, you know, be constantly learning about himself and working on himself. And I, I love that about him so much because there's so many people out there who are like, nope, I am okay the way I am. You're not going to change me. You're not going to change my mind and are just so close-minded. But for the people who are close-minded, that's, you don't get changed that way. Um, and yes, you can be stubborn about some things, but for the, for the bigger things and learn, you know, working on improving yourself, having an open mind is, is really big. I mean, you're not going to change anything out there until you change it up here and in here. That's where it starts. So, um, I, so I guess to go back to your question, Alex, just, um, really had to, uh, in these communication classes, really address how I was dealing with conflict, whether it was conflict in our relationship or conflict elsewhere and how, I was dealing with conflict really affected Alex um, and how I could really be a better partner for him when it comes to that. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you also, you, you talked to me about when you were taking these classes, you said that your mom and I both had really good communication skills. Um, so I wanted to think about for myself, like, so what, what did I do to learn communication um, so, and that also kind of goes into this other question. So we were both shy early in life. So how did we, how do you go about developing social skills and communication skills and all that? I don't know if you want me to go or you go. Yeah, no, I can go first on that. So, um, for some people who, who maybe don't know, so I'm originally from up north, a little town called Ada, and I went to school, um, I was going to go for nursing first in Winona, Minnesota, which is about seven hours away from home. Uh, nobody else who I graduated with was going to Winona. Uh, there was a girl a couple of years before me who had gone, but that was about it. Uh, I didn't really know anybody from the area at all. Uh, my dad had kind of introduced me to the school and I kind of fell in love with the town. So I went there and, you know, for somebody who is a shy small town kid, you know, Winona was a real eye-opener. I, I feel like, you know, when you grow up in a small town, there's a lot of things that you're naive about, um, whether that's, you know, you know, drugs, gangs, um, you know, how manipulative people can be, um, or even how to even, you know, present yourself in a, in a bigger setting. I mean, for example, if you're wanting to get a job, like, you know, getting a job in a bigger city, you have to approach it differently than you would at like the Ada Country Store. I mean, you just, you are learning different things. And there were a lot of things that I did not know when I went to college, you know, like everyone else. But I learned very early on that I, you know, wanted to develop friendships with people because that was really going to help me get through college. But I didn't know anybody. So in order for me to develop these friendships, you know, I had to come out of my shell. I, I had to be open. I mean, people aren't going to just go over the shy kid in the cafeteria and invite you over to go to Taco Bell. I mean, you have to be the one to kind of put yourself out there. So I think I learned that early on. Um, and I really kind of sought out people that had similar interests to me. Um, one of my friends that I had in, in college, her name was Tess, and she loved to sing. 
um, and we had met through you know some mutual friends and things like that and I really felt connected to her um, through that one of my friends Lisa who I'm still friends with she was down the hall from me and she heard me singing karaoke in my room <laughs> Uh, in my dorm room, which I didn't realize that my voice carried that far, and she said that I had a really good voice, and she wanted to know if I wanted to go to Taco Bell, and we've been friends ever since, so it's just, you know, it, just even being myself and kind of, you know, putting myself out there a little bit, and, you know, you're, you're never going to grow when you stay inside your comfort zone. It just doesn't happen. Um, so for me, I know I really had to put myself out of my comfort zone to, to find people who were going to be in my tribe. Um, and I think, Alex, you've had to put yourself out of your comfort zone, too, to, mm -hmm. to be able to make friends as well and make developments with your life. Yeah, like, uh, my very broad advice is, like, you know, like Tori was saying, doing some kind of activity or sport. So if it's, that's a good way to make friends just because you have... Well, and for myself, I found it was easier to talk with people when there's, like, something to do instead of just, like, hanging out. So, like, you know, I've done theater, so you've got the play to do, or doing film projects, you've got that. Um, sports, you know, you've got rec leagues or, like, sports teams if you're in school. Um, and then I was, partway through high school, I got into weightlifting and mixed martial arts. So those are two different overlapping um, just cultures like usually guys but women too like just to bond pe with people that care about fitness or fighting or whatever um, so that's good and then the other part is just I read a lot about psychology and uh, social skills and stuff and that's not that I, I, I'm not sure how it translated into actually, because I, I don't, you know, you don't just read, okay, on page four, you follow this diagram of how to talk to people, and then you go and talk to somebody, <laughs> but I think if you just, it's like, um, it makes me think of like when you're trying to learn Spanish or just some other language, they tell you to like watch Spanish TV and listen to Spanish music and just kind of immerse yourself in it, and you kind of just get immersed in that culture and kind of pick it up that way too so it's not you're not consciously thinking okay she said this i should respond with x y and z clever witty response and then we are friends yay <laughs> it's like, um, but I, I did read a thing about like with because uh, people talk about with after college it's harder to make friends and i think it's because you need and I don't know what the number is, but you need X number of interactions with somebody, and when you're kind of clumped together with somebody in school, then that kind of happens a lot easier than, you know, if you need to go out for drinks or whatever with somebody 150 times before your friends. So, uh, but for the, because the other part of that question, though, is like, that's how to make friends, but then there's how do you, the communication skills, too, because there's a there's a level where you need a level of competence in a conversation, and uh, I'm not sure what the answer is for that because, like, for me, I, I did a lot in college. I did a lot of getting college credit when I was in high school, so I was only in college for like two and a half years, 
and my teachers talked about, I had one teacher in particular that I had my fresh first semester freshman year and then like a year and a half later, something like the spring of my sophomore year, and she and I really bonded and she pointed out just how much I had grown in that span. So, but then even after that, it's like post-college, I know I grew a lot, like as a person, like fitness-wise, like socially, just adult life skills, like a whole bunch of different components. So, like Tori was saying, like the self-improvement thing is really important to me. So, so I'm, I don't know what to tell you guys, but uh, it's, it's not something that's going to just happen, but it's, so there's not an overnight process, and there are books that I can recommend, but it's also just, there's a level where you need to, like, be, meet a certain threshold, but then, like, I was realizing my social skills are good enough, and if a conversation's not going well, it's not necessarily on me because not everybody is good at conversations, so it's, and there's not a, a definite, you know, this person's, the, the reason a conversation's not going well, but if you're trying to engage with somebody and they're giving you the, fine, sure, yeah, it's cold, <laughs> there's not a lot to build on, and not everybody, <laughs> sounds, sounds mean, not everybody has interesting things going on in their life. <laughs> Or knows how to translate that. So, uh, so I don't know if that answers the question or not. But. Well, and I think another important thing to learn about communication too is it's not, you know, there's no, you know, there's no end point where it's like, oh, my communication is good enough. I'm going to stop learning. You, you know, as you get older and you develop more relationships with people you're going to have different ways that you're going to have to to learn how to communicate with others. So as an adult, you know, before you have, you know, kids and whatever you're you're, you know, communicating with friends and coworkers and things like that who have other, you know, life events going on and then you get married and then you might have kids and then you might have to interact with, you know, kids parents who have different ways to communicate. So you're always learning more ways to communicate by the relationships that you're encountering, um, so you're 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 constantly having to build on it. So, and you know the communication methods that you use for one person are not going to be the same, you know, communication methods that you're using for other people. I mean, communication doesn't work that way. I mean, the way you talk to your two-year-old isn't going to be the same way that you talk to your boss. I mean. I would hope not, but <laughs> but um, you know, as you're you're meeting more people and you're developing new you know more relationships, you're learning more and different ways to communicate, and it's important to kind of be open-minded about building on those kinds of things. Um, you know, you know, for example, like with um, with us getting buried recently and with in-laws and and things like that, learning to you know build that relationship more and communicate. You know. You're communicating differently than you were early on, and learning to build things like that. And so, I know that's one way that I've been trying to develop communication and things like that. So it's a, it's a continuous process. Yeah. There's not really a cutoff. I mean, you're consistently, yeah, you know, working on your communication. And the word that pops up to me is awareness, because you need a level of like 
I'm talking with this person, did it go well? And I mean, it's, it's probably easiest to start with post conversation, like thinking about how that went and what I could have done and said and whatever. And I, I assume people do that naturally on some level because, you know, you always think about, oh, I, sh I could have had that come back and it would have been so good and just either really funny or like nailed him if it's an argument or whatever. Um, or not said nose hairs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, do you want to talk about like how you and I fight? Because <laughs> uh, for us, it's it's not your stereotypical TV like name calling and yelling. It's much more on the discussion side. Mm -hmm. I I think one important thing to note that when Alex and I fight or have an argument we really care about the other person's feelings and care about what they're you know what we're going to be able to bring to this you know argument or, or conflict and what we're going to be able to get out of it so one thing that I you know there's so many things I love about Alex but he has never raised his voice at me uh, and I've never raised my voice at him um, we've never been you know, physical, any anything like that. I, I think, and we've never name-called either. Never name-called, swore, anything like that. And it, it's not, you know, to, to brag or say anything like that. It's just, I, I think Alex and I just have, like, the utmost respect for the other person. So when we are entering into a conflict, like, yes, our, you know, we might be, you know, have high emotions and things like that, but we... You know, if we're going to be addressing the conflict, we definitely make sure that our, you know, emotions have simmered to a place where the argument or conflict is going to be constructive rather than, you know, destructive. So, um, you know, if we get into to something heated, one of the best things I've learned is, um, you know, pick, you know, just kind of pick your, your moment that, that works. So when I had had conflict early on, I really liked to, you know, dig in, have the last word, da 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 da. And, you know, it didn't feel good. It didn't feel good for me, maybe a millisecond, and it definitely didn't, didn't feel good all around. And that was one of the things I had to address in my communications class, like, how do I address conflict? And I found out that I would like to get into stuff heated in the moment and things like that and I needed to just take a step back and really evaluate why I was feeling that way like yes I'm you know pissed I'm hurt I'm upset but like why are you hurt and upset you know I think one thing is really being able to identify how you're feeling in a conflict is important you, you know because if, if you aren't able to identify how you're really feeling in that conflict you're not going to be able to solve it you're, you're not going to be able to come to some sort of resolution I mean, the reason, you know, your partner isn't, you know, your partner might not be mad because you, you know, threw a lamp. They might be upset that, you know, they want to get to the core of the problem, I guess is what I'm saying. Um, so just really being able to identify how you're feeling and being able to work that out constructively with your partner, um, I think is incredibly important. Yeah, I definitely remember some of our... Well, and I may not remember what the discussion was about, but I remember earlier in the relationship having those discussions and then 
like after however long then I finally figured out like what that core issue is and it's like and it took all of that just to get to the core issue and then it's like okay now we can actually start to deal with it. So something that I know helps me with conflict is if I'm really you know ranting and raving about something I usually go um, and you know type it out. <coughs> Excuse me. I will usually go type or, or write it out or whatever, get it on paper or in writing or something. And then I might take a break, I might read, I might watch a movie, you know, just to kind of calm down. Um, and then I come back to it and then I read it and it's like, wow, I was really upset. And, and normally from what I'm writing, I'm able to see like that I'm really narrowing in on this one thing. Um, like, oh, I, I was ranting about this one part of the argument or, or conflict or whatever and it's like I probably should focus on that because that seems to be the thing that I'm most upset about and then kind of analyze okay why was I so upset about that you know um, and then just think about that and then that is when you know when I've had time to sit down reflect about what I was really mad at or mad about that's when I will go approach Alex and ask him if he's ready to talk you know, one thing that we've really developed in our relationship is learning, you know, to kind of, like, it's okay to take a step back and say, I'm not ready to talk right now. Or I'm in a really, you know, not great mood. Maybe we should do this and, and come back and talk about it later. Um, and I think that gives us time to sit and reflect how we're really thinking about things. And you're really, you know, preventing, you know, damage, you know, because because words, I mean, you can't take them back. I mean, you can say that you forgive the person or whatever, but once they're out there, the damage is done. So I think what Alex and I have really tried to do is just try to prevent that hurt by just, you know, you know, analyzing how we're feeling and bringing something to the, you know, table that's going to be constructive and we're going to get a good solution out of. Yeah, it, 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 yeah to me it's sounding like and you know, I, I live it so it's, <laughs> but it sounds like we're trying to resolve emotions without using emotions maybe like like we're gonna talk about why we're upset or angry or hurt but not by taking that break and kind of realizing it like one thing that I, I've realized really early on in life that I think is applied to all of my self-development stuff is there's a difference between your brain or like you and what your brain is telling you and that also applies to feelings and it's like I think a lot of people I guess I don't know how many people but it feels like people don't even get to that level and without that realization you can't get a lot of maturity and wisdom and all the other stuff so that's like a really that's a first step but that just saying that sentence makes people think it's all like woo woo and whatever so i think something that's important to note too alex is that when you know in our relationship we might be competitive people with like sports or games or whatever because I'll say it we're competitive I will say that right now but I don't think we're competitive with each other like in our relationship to be like ha huh, I got the last word or huh I was right or like because I think the way that we approach our relationship is definitely as a team 
so we both want to win we both want to have that benefit i mean yes we can be you know sassy and whatever but not to the point where we're hurting each other's feelings i i think in that respect we want to come to a healthy you know resolution and, and i think that's honestly really helped our relationship and you know our marriage and it's it's so incredibly important because it makes me feel at the end of the day that my husband really respects me and i think at the end of the day he feels that i respect him as a man and a husband and i think that's incredibly important um to have that respect for your relationship because it, it's it's sacred you know your relationship is you know something that you've invested in and i think to approach it with love and respect is one of the best things you can do for your relationship yeah like i'm reminded of i don't remember where this is from but it's something along the lines of like do you want to win the argument or the fight or do you want to have like the happy healthy relationship because it's like you can only put those points in one or the other so like Tori was saying, like, if you want to get that last word in the argument, like, no, you're stupid. It's like, okay, <laughs> what does that do for you? Versus if you can have that conversation and be like, um, you know, just focusing on actually resolving the issue instead of just getting those jabs in, you know? So, um, yeah. Uh, another thing that I know for myself, I don't know if you had to overcome it, I think you did too, is we were, when early on, we were afraid of hurting the other person's feelings. So, like Tori said, in one of her classes, she was learning that if people aren't fighting, then um, at least one of you is really unhappy. And, like, and, like, I know I was... It, it was hard for me to go into a conversation that I knew was going to upset you. And you had told me, like, you need, I need to, you know, <laughs> deal with it. <laughs> like, just, you know, do it anyway, like, uh, because uh, we need that honesty and, like, we need to fully resolve the issues and not just put stuff under the rug. Yeah. Well, and like I said earlier, I mean, if you're not stepping out of your comfort zone, I mean, you're you're not going to get anywhere. And I mean, depending on who you are, conflict might be, you know, really natural to you. For other people, it is unnatural. It's not, you know, it's not wanted. It's, you know, but I think when you're in a relationship and making these kind of investment, I mean, I look at our marriage you know, in our relationship that we had before as an investment, you know, I, you know, where you invest you, your love is where you invest your life. And I really look at it as an investment and, you know, and, and not in, you know, numerical terms, but I'm talking about like, just you're investing a lot of time and energy and emotion and feelings and all of that. And then, you know, it's it's a long time to be with somebody and, and build that up so you you want to have it be as you know loved and cared for as anything else so yeah yeah and like that's that raises a good point too about like how i'm just thinking about like in your your pop culture movies and whatever you've got you know relationships aren't always going to be easy and 100 percent getting along and stuff like Amen. that and, and, <laughs> 
that investment is a good is a good word because it's like it's not going to be easy all the time but you can put the time and the work in and have those hard conversations to have a really good relationship and that's I think where people don't see the payoff necessarily maybe right um, okay let's throw it like Jordan Peterson talked about like uh, there's some kind of somebody came up with like there's a ratio of positive to negative interactions that you have like yeah you know where I'm going with this so yep so there it's like if you have fewer than like five to one or seven or something of like a positive interaction versus a negative interaction then that relationship's doomed but if it's over like I, I want to say the sweet spot is seven to fifteen and then higher than that so there's like only good interactions and like never negative like that's not good either because like we we're saying somebody's unhappy so you want that um, and that's it's also bad because it's like there's no one if, if somebody's just always agreeing with you and, the, and it's, you don't want that because you want somebody that kind of challenges you and I think at the end of the day it's just important to evaluate you know kind of where you are as a couple you know, are you feeling happy? How much of your time are you spending arguing or whatnot? And it's not to say that, like, if you are charting or have an Excel spreadsheet and be like, we had eight fights today, that means that we're sitting in this or this place. I mean, you really have to kind of, you know, and some days, honestly, are going to be worse than others. You know, some days are going to be really, really hard to, you know, love your partner or whatever. But I, I think the important thing is, you know, if you're wanting to keep making that investment in your relationship um, you know you're really gonna have to start evaluating you know once the like Alex said once the payoff isn't worth it anymore right um, yeah because that was making me I was gonna have us talk about like different because you're talking about like uh, it's just making me think about like with phases of our relationship like we talked about early on and then there is a stretch of a few years where we were doing long distance. So if you want to talk about some of the challenges that came from that and sure. how we handled that. Sure. So one of the, I would say one of the biggest things that I struggled with, you know, there, well, there were a couple things. My, my first thing is I was just like, you know, in the beginning of the relationship, you're like physically just enamored with your partner. And, you know, Alex was you know, a hunk and a half. So like, I just was like, oh, I want to spend more time with him. You know, I want to hug him. I want to kiss him. I want to, you know, do all these things. And of course, you know, he was one of my first relationships too. So I felt like I almost had like that schoolgirl, like I'm 14 and I'm dating my crush kind of thing where you just kind of become enamored. So that was something that I was kind of, uh, dealing with maybe not something that you were thinking of that might have been a struggle but it's it a struggle <laughs> for me <laughs> um, but uh, you know with uh, the long distance I mean it's not something that you can just you know you don't have that you know satisfaction like right then and there you, you kind of have to you know put it on hold for a little bit so that was something that I was kind of um, dealing with a little bit too and I'm not sure if other females have dealt with that either I'm sure <laughs> Um, but another um, big hurdle that I was, you know, that we had been talking about, so 
you know, the, the times that Alex and I were seeing each other, you know, when we were, um, when we were doing the long distance is we were mostly, you know, seeing each other on weekends. So like my thing was, so my room or apartment or whatever I was staying in was really neat. I'm kind of a neat freak. Um, and then I would go to Alex's place and it was very much like a bachelor, you know, pad. And it's like, oh, like, I just want to like make the bed, do the laundry, like all that stuff. But like, obviously if I was doing that, I wouldn't spend any time with Alex. So, and I, I think that's something that's kind of normal for relationships too. Um, is, is just, um, you know, your, your different spaces are, you know, different. So, um, when we had talked about like when we were going to be moving closer or even maybe moving in together, one thing was like, we're seeing a snippet of the other person's life on the weekends, but like during the week, like, you know, if during the weekend we go out to eat and we're just relaxing and cuddling and whatever, it's all good. Um, but then during the week we might go back to what we normally do and things like that. So I think one of the things I struggled with was when we would be moving in together, how would our everyday lives look like? You know, is, you know, is Alex able to deal with me being kind of a, you know, kind of a little bit of a control freak, like things have to be neat, tidy, things like that. Um, is he going to be okay that I might not work out as much as he does? You know, things like that, because those are things that you know, when you're moving in, you, you talk about and, you know, your partner is able to observe like, whoa, she, you know, you know, compared to early on in the relationship, like she might be really letting herself go or he might or, you know, things like that. So just having those hard conversations about, you know, really learning your partner and, you know, because we, I guess we call it um, like uh, peacocking early in the relationship, like you make it look all like you're all put together and this, that, and the other thing. And then you get to where you're kind of out of the honeymoon stage and you're really learning like, ooh, like, you know, things like, oh, she went to go visit her mom. We're gonna need extra ice cream in the fridge or, you know, things like that where it's just like you, you learn more about the other person. So I think um, one of the struggles when we were doing long distance is just how we would make the adjustment to living together. Um, another thing was just not being able to see each other as much. So how Alex and I did it, so we were about three hours apart. So what we did was we alternated every other weekend and then, um, so I would go visit him the first week of the month and like the first weekend of the month and he would come visit me the third weekend of the month. and we alternated, but living in Minnesota, you know, where we have snow 10 months out of the year, that was an issue because if he had to be back for work, um, then there were some weekends where we just had to say, it might not be worth it for you to come, which hurt um, being early on in the relationship because obviously you want to spend as much time with that person as you can, and we weren't necessarily able to do that. Um, and, and yeah. So I think that was that was a struggle. That's something to this day that we say that we're happy that we don't have to deal with anymore long distance. Um, I, I know, you know, something for me that was hard for the long distance 
was really being able to understand um, like Alex's Asperger's. I know that was something that was hard for me. And the reason I say that is because like, yes, on the weekend we could cuddle and we could do whatever, but I'm not really seeing his day-to-day -day routine. I'm not seeing how, you know, how much, you know, like me time he needs. I'm not seeing what he maybe needs to eat on a consistent basis or what his schedule is. And for me, you know, for finding out that, you know, my, you know, my, my boyfriend had Asperger's, I wanted to be able to be the best partner that I could and really understand his, you know, kind of his, you know, behaviors and habits and, and things that he did so I could be a good partner for when we moved in together. So something that I struggled with when we were long distance, I just wasn't able to see those, um, see those, you know, activities and behaviors. And it made me nervous for when we were moving in together to see if I would be a good fit for him. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, and I think Tori brings up a good point too. I was like, I think for a successful relationship, both parties need to have that servitude mentality towards the other, like, like, uh, and it's it's big and little things is like uh, right now she's doing a night class and on Tuesday nights she has like a video class uh, of like an in-person video lesson and I will just bring her like a grilled cheese or hot chocolate or whatever because I know if it was me I would be like you know, it's 5.30, I'm hungry, but I've got to do this class for the next hour and a half, and that sucks. So it's like, I can have that kind of, that kind of mentality of helping her out. So, and so, like, it's little and big things. So. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I think overall I'm happy that we're not having to do the long distance. I think it, um, I mean, we did that for like the first three and a half years of our relationship. Sure. About, yeah, it, it was three and a half years. <laughs> um, but just, you know, it, it's it's almost like when you move in with your partner, you're starting to almost learn how to date each other again. Because you're just, you're learning new things. Like, oh, he likes to leave sock piles, like, everywhere. Or like, oh, he doesn't like to do the dishes. Or, oh, she leaves puddles all over the floor when, you know, we you know, have showers or whatever, you know, things like that. It's, it's just like, and, and like Alex said, it's big things and it's little things like, oh, like I, you know, you, you name it. it. I mean, there's just things, but we almost had to learn how to, to date each other again and, and kind of figure those things out. And for me, I knew it was important to really learn Alex's routine to be able to help him with his you know, with his Asperger's and things like that, because I know he likes a routine, he needs a schedule, you know, and, um, and yeah, so it was important for me to, to learn those things. Yeah. Um, like, one thing that I know was a struggle early on, like, when we would visit each other, uh, be, being a fitness guy, <laughs> food is important, <laughs> like, and I remember getting frustrated about, like, I would be hungry, but Tori didn't have any food, or we were just, like, when I'm already hungry, going to the store to go grocery shopping, to cook, to then eat, and 
getting really frustrated with that whole process, so I started just bringing food for us to warm up and have. Um, and she likes my cooking. Uh, and, well, and that's a whole other thing where we've been uh, trying to expand my repertoire of recipes because I can eat the same, what, five things on a rotation or whatever, and she likes a variety, so um, that's something we're kind of growing together. But I was also going to say, like, so with the cooking example, like, and then she talked about with my bachelor pad, if, if things are messy and she wants to clean, like, people will kind of fall into whatever roles, and, I mean, you might have it happen naturally, or you might need to have conversations about, you know, I don't mind doing X, Y, and Z chore, and you can do A, B, and C chore, uh, and just kind of see what's a fit, so, because I think Tori appreciates that I try to have food ready in the house, and I, I do. And, uh, it's interesting because, like, she <laughs> doesn't like doing dishes by hand. Like, when we lived in places that didn't have a dishwasher, I would handle the dishes primarily. And then when we've had a dishwasher, she's like, it's no problem. I got this. <laughs> Leave it to me, boo. <laughs> so, and I'm, I was, I'm appreciative of that because I can just deal with cooking and not have to do the, the other stuff, so. Um, yeah. Does that kind of cover that, do you think? Yeah, I think, like I said, overall, I think we're excited to not be doing the long distance. Uh, I think there were things that we learned about each other doing long distance, but there wasn't anything that we learned about each other doing long distance that scared us off <laughs> to not commit to, like, the, yeah. the full-on living together. I... I knew with um, with Alex's Asperger's and, and change is something that's difficult. So just really wanted to make sure that it was something that we were both, you know, comfortable with when we got to that step. Um, yeah. Like trying to like plant those seeds early. Um, yeah, there were, I remember when we were talking about moving in, when she first kind of pitched that idea to me, I had a lot of sleepless nights for like I want to say two months or so before we pulled the trigger and I think that's something just important to note about our relationship too is whenever there's something I think about that would be like spontaneous and it's a bigger change I you know take a lot of time you know analyzing that before I bring it up to Alex or before I say anything to Alex because of the the change factor so, you know, other couples might say like, oh, I just made a spontaneous decision that we're going to, you know, fly to Fiji, you know, in a week. Whereas if I were to tell like something like that to Alex, he might say like, cool, but then he's like, <laughs> you, you know, like what, what, okay, like what, do, so it, it's just, um, it's just something that's kind of special about our relationship is just we really... Like, I, I really take the time to kind of analyze and, and see what he would be um, thinking. And, you know, I, I don't think a lot of couples necessarily have that um, concern in the forefront of their brain. So it, it, it is something that's consistently on my mind. Um, even, like, marriage and kids or whatever, that's something that we talked about really early on. Um, maybe earlier than Alex was <laughs> expecting, but, you know, I'm just you know, making investments, want to know. So, um, and, and I think that's another good thing to bring up too. Um, you know, just making, 
kind of your needs and expectations of the relationship known? Um, like, what are you hoping to get out of this relationship? Because um, it's much easier to, to, you know, cut those ties if you need to at the beginning of the relationship versus when you're, you know, kind of more invested in, in things like that. Yeah, because then you're not, like, trying to convert somebody to match what you want because you never had that conversation and now all of a sudden it's like, you know, you're three years in and it's like, now I want kids. And it's like, we've never talked about that. Yeah. What? I think it's important so. to, to not go in a relationship with an agenda for change. Um, because if your, you know, agenda for a relationship is to change the person. You're in for a world Then, exactly. <laughs> then it's, yeah, it's not well, going to be easy. One thing you, you said about me is that I'm pretty predictable with like and that applies to my routine and also probably how I react to stuff which I love you know I love that Alex is predictable and and the reason for that is you know if I ask Alex to to do something like if he can drop something off at the post office or whatever and like I I know he'll do it you know that's just the kind of person that Alex is but also like if Alex says, you know, if he cooks, you know, food on the weekend for us to have it for the week, I, I know Alex is going to do that. Um, so for me, I love that he's predictable because to me, the predictable part and the dependable part like kind of go hand in hand. And I really like that um, because I'm not really somebody who likes surprises. So predictable for me is good. And I'm a planner. Like, I love to plan and organize things, so predictable for me is wonderful because I, I, I can work with predictable, I can work with dependable. Um, when it's spontaneous, that's the kind of stuff that throws me for a loop and I don't know how to, you know, how to handle that. So I think Alex and I are um, a really good match in that respect, too. So, um, how do you think we've grown from being with each other? I mean, we've kind of covered it, but... Yeah, um... That's a good question. Um, I think how we've grown with being with each other is just we've learned how to be better partners for each other. And we've learned to really expand on our, you know, communication and how we handle conflict. Um, because we're the, you know, we're the two that each other sees the most. I mean, we're the ones who are doing the most interaction, you know, the most conflict, the most conversation, you know, we're it. So I think learning how to communicate better in a relationship, I, I think that's helped us to... Um, to develop our relationships in other aspects, like develop our relationships with our parents or our siblings or our coworkers and, and things like that. So as we've grown as a couple, I think we've been able to kind of carry that over into other relationships. Um, so you would ask how we kind of have grown as like a couple, but I, I think it's spilled over to how we've grown just as individuals um, and, and that's carried over to other aspects in our life. And, and that's the thing I've noticed the most and, and really like, because as we've been able to grow and develop, we've been able to, 
you know, weed out things that we're not looking for and are able to attract things that we are looking for and, you know, things like that. So I think that's been really important for not only our relationship, but for, uh, you know, all of our other relationships as well. Yeah, like, I'm thinking about, like, just, and we've talked earlier about being with somebody that you can kind of be your authentic self with, and I think what I've noticed for myself is this, the true core authentic Alex, I'm closer to that person in a lot more aspects of life. So, like, my my family's more on the, I don't know, like, stoic or reserved side, or however you want to word that, um, and just kind of being more of myself, like, injecting more of the fun, I don't know, I'm not sure what I'm trying to say, but, um, like in the, the Mark Manson book he talks, uh, called Models, he talks about authenticity is huge for being like a, a filter for whoever you're going to be with, because, like we were talking about earlier, with, if you know what the other person wants from the relationship and you're, and you're communicating what you want and everything, like, and you are acting how you are, then there's not going to be those surprises and you kind of know that you like that person because you know who they are. So, and that, and the hard part is like, uh, there's a, a, a Bill Cosby thing that talks about like, you, know, you want to be yourself, but what if you're an asshole? <laughs> like, and that's where, like, for me at least, because I'm big on self-improvement, so that question of, you know, but what if I'm not a good person comes up, and it's like, uh, you know, we've, we've, this whole podcast, we've been talking about how we've kind of grown and changed, and, like, because you, you should, uh, I was going to say, like, people grow and change just kind of naturally as they go through life. May not necessarily be true for everybody, but some people might just be really stuck. But I don't know. I think with the different life events that you encounter, sometimes that'll help you mature quickly, or sometimes that can really, you know, set things back. Um, so people aren't, you know, growing, and you know, everybody's growing and changing, but not everybody is growing and changing at the same pace. Um, so. So, you know, you had asked, like, what's, you know, about our, you know, our relationship growing and things like that, and I think one of my favorite things, and I told Alex even this morning that our, you know, the love and respect that we have e for each other, like, I, I, t I said our relationship is like a comfortable relationship, where it's like, we, we kind of know what to expect from the other person, you know, there's that respect, there's that love, it's just that comforting. It's not that super exciting, exhilarating, you know, and, and not to say that it doesn't have its moments, but it's just, it's a comfortable love. And that's something I've always wanted with my husband is, you know, I want him to be, to, to be a partner for me, to, for us to kind of keep growing and, you know, you know, kind of expanding on our love and investing in it and just, 
having it be comfortable, like I know where Alex is as a person and you know his goals and dreams and, and things like that and it's just really keeps my heart at peace to have that comfortable love because um, it's something that I've always wanted with a partner so I think that's a good way to wrap it up honestly so uh, thanks for being on the show yeah. <laughs> and uh, thanks for tuning in and you know check out the next episode thanks bye <laughs>